Amen. He is risen. I'm pretty sure that's the first thing I'm supposed to say. So, there. Uh, just, just a warning. It's going to come up certain times during the service today, and I'm going to expect you to come with the proper response. I'm going to try to sneak it in and see if you miss it. We'll see. It'll be a little game that we play because uh, church needs to be fun. It's one of the sub reasons Christ came. So life could be fun. In fact, it tells us John chapter 10, verse 10. He came that we might have life and have it to the fullest or have it abundantly. Very exciting. Amen? Uh, I'm very excited this morning because uh, we're back to two services. I get to do two services again, which is cool because I get to practice on you and then do the second one uh, after that. But you all know the first one's the best, right? Yeah. It's unscripted. You had to try it the first time, see if everything works. Uh, mostly I'm excited because it is Easter and we get to talk about our Super Bowl, our World Series, our World Cup, right? Save the best for last there, just in case you were. Um, but before we jump into that, I uh, want to remind you a couple things. Uh, men's group, we're back full swing. Uh, Monday night, Wednesday morning, if you're interested in any of those, come talk to me afterwards. We, did, we do have a baptism class coming up next week. Very excited about that. And we have a bunch of other things. But we just had, three days ago, four days ago, we had Lord's Supper service, uh, which has been a tradition in our church for over a decade. And I love it. Uh, if you were there, you could tell that I loved it. Uh, so we just had a great time talking about why communion, why bread, why wine, why Jesus, uh, why, why that great uh, painting from Da Vinci on the side of a monastery wall, depiction of all of the boys, Jesus in the middle, uh, even Judas. Why do we do all that kind of stuff? And we saw something, I think, Thursday uh, many people had never seen before that we pointed out from, uh, from that. So um, mark it down on your calendar. It's one of the easiest things to remember. It's the Thursday of Passion Week every single year right? Uh, we don't change that, the whole thing. So uh, we'd love to have you. And uh, we had a meal and the whole thing and, and uh, got to have some fellowship. So uh, thanks for that. Uh, this morning, we're going to look at uh, John chapter 20, uh, John's version of the Easter story. And we're going to kind of assume a couple of things. Uh, one, you're familiar with Monday, Thursday and what happened Jesus and the disciples washing their feet, telling them, hey, this is about to happen. And they, they, they do the, the meal together and they do communion together. And then he gets betrayed. And then Friday happens. There's all the trial. I mean, we're doing the fastest recap of Passion Week ever, right? What happens at the end of Friday again? He was crucified, right? Jesus died. And uh, yesterday, Saturday, was a pretty dark day for those Christians, right? They were with him on Thursday and everything was great and then it all fell apart and by Friday night he's gone. You can imagine what Saturday's like, right? And here comes Sunday. And this is John's account of Sunday. Uh, John the, the apostle. And uh, just for fun, if you like homework kind of stuff, um, I, I've always loved the idea that, yeah, Friday was rough, but for great reasons, we call it Good Friday. And for them, 
it was, it was depressing. There was a lot of doubt in the whole thing. But Sunday was coming. And uh, the homework is this. Al Mancone did a sermon years and years ago about someone he had heard, a preacher, talking about, yeah, it was Friday, but Sunday was coming. Uh, look that up. Google that or YouTube it or something like that and find that. that it's an amazing sermon on that. And this is uh, why Sunday was so wonderful. And uh, we're going to look at it from, from John's perspective, yet I think I want to point out that we're going to kind of look at it from the women's perspective, right? Because the women go to the tomb first that morning. And so that's what we're going to do. Uh, let's pray, and then we'll, we'll jump in. Uh, Lord, praise you. Praise you for everything that we sang this morning, all the truths that we claimed in those songs, all the truths that are in your word, and the culmination of all of it, from creation all the way to the end, from Christmas all the way to Easter Sunday, that you are who you say you are, that you are faithful, you always keep covenant, and you love us, and you proved it. May we rejoice in that this morning as we account one of the stories. May be a challenge and encouragement to us. May we be edified in you by your Spirit. May I honor your Son and you. We pray this in his name, Jesus. Amen? Amen. Uh, John chapter 20, here we go. Uh, we're going we're gonna to have some fun this morning. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Love that. That's a great piece of the story um, that we're going to skip today. We're going to move on to something else. We'll, well, maybe we'll talk about it next Easter, right? But this stone, this impediment, this boundary has been moved out of the way. So she ran, verse 2, went to Simon Peter and the other disciples, the one whom Jesus loved. Uh-oh. We gotta explain that. Who's the one that Jesus loved? John. I always get a little nervous doing this passage because somebody's gonna say, wait, Jesus loved John more than the others? No. John just had a healthier ego. No. Uh, John, in his humility, owned that he was loved, questioned whether he really deserved it, and wanted to take none of the spotlight. So in this story, Although it's from the book of John, you'll never see John's name. But he's writing about himself and trying to keep himself out the story. Why? So that the story's about Jesus, about him. Right? Now that's going to come into play a little bit later when we get to our fill-ins. Right? Ran to find Simon Peter and the one that Jesus loved and said to them, uh, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. A little bit of panic there, concern, mystery, a uh, little doubt, fear. Uh, this could be really bad for them. If the authorities, the Roman authorities, have now come and taken the body, and, the, and they might be looking for people. There could be a lot, of, a lot of ramifications that come out of this. This is, um, this is a great sentence, a great phrase, a great statement uh, from this lady to the disciples. Um, and one of the sub-themes I want you to think about this morning as we go through this passage is I want you to think in terms of, I'm going to introduce you to two, two statements. Uh, this morning is really, this passage is really about two statements, and this is the first one, right? 
So we're going to say it again. They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter, verse 3, went out with the other disciples, and uh, they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter. See, he might have had a little bit of an ego, right? I'm faster than him. Uh, Outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him. He went into the tomb. Okay, great, John, you got there first, but you wouldn't go inside? What's the point of winning if you don't, win the, if you don't take the prize, right? You had a chance to go in. He, was, he didn't have uh, enough faith, maybe, or something, or he was nervous. But uh, Peter, he likes to step into it, doesn't he? he he's always uh, running his mouth and the whole thing, getting himself in trouble. Uh, he says, oh, well, someone needs to go first inside? I'll do it. And the faith went into him. He saw the little cloths were lying there, and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloth, but folded up in a place by itself so it wasn't like he his, his body just got carried off somebody did something organized somebody was kind of using the laundry why, why would you fold it up why why would you because it might be able to use later on somebody who actually died maybe uh, then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first you got to tell us about that twice also went in it's like oh well simon peter went in and he wasn't struck by lightning so i guess i can go in now right if you go second take no pride in it okay you just follow the crowd okay also went and saw and what's that word believed if he saw and believed what is that implying about prior to stepping in the tomb disbelief non-belief did not believe uh, you can imagine what saturday had been like and now sunday morning they go for a quick jog and the game's changed again what they believe there that the romans were going to come get them that the romans had taken the body that the romans were trying to make sure nobody uh, perpetuated this prediction that jesus would rise again after three days is that what they believe? Was he believing about the Romans? Someone say no, nice and loud. No. There you go. It's not recorded, so you don't have to worry. Yeah. Um, no, what he believed was about what Jesus said about himself. This is going to happen. I'm going to do it. You're going to see it. What a great combo. For as yet, they did not understand the scripture. Okay, here's a little side commercial. Okay. Welcome to Rock Bible Church. Christ-centered. Biblically based. Why? Because we do not yet understand the scripture. Apparently the key to belief and the key in this thing for John and maybe Peter or others was some kind of understanding of the scriptures. Which, by the way, when I say it that way, they had... Uh, for as yet they did not understand the scriptures. Does that imply that the scriptures can be understood? It sure does. Does Jesus write to us in code? Does the Holy Spirit make sure that a bunch of people preserved all these books of the Bible? 
so that we could be in mystery, lost? No, it's pretty simple. It can be understood. And that's why we're biblically based. Because the key to our relationship with the Lord is one, Him. He calls us, He draws us, He sanctifies us, redeems us, and everything. Number two, we step towards Him. And one of the greatest ways you can do that is in Scripture. It's why you can't do church at home. It's why you can't do church by yourself. It's why you can't make up doctrines on your own, the ones that are comfortable. No, we have to understand the Scripture. Now, can you tell I'm a little excited about this topic? A, t- a-, a topic for another day. But this is why we do things the way we do at Rock Bible Church, going through a passage at a time, systematically working our way through, because this is a big piece of the puzzle. All right? And what was it that they were to understand from the Scriptures? That he must rise from the dead. That he would rise, that he might rise, that he may rise, he could rise. What's that word? That is a great word. He must rise again. Why? Why must? Do, 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 do. Do, because he said he would because it's what all of it's based on because other people said he would because this was the fulfillment of everything it had to happen more than that it was covenant it was happening not must this is the strongest way they could say it when they when god tries to propose to us what is in the future as if it's already happened. It's so guaranteed that this whole present to future thing is lost because it doesn't exist in God's economy. I'm telling you what has happened. I have set the whole of existence in place the way I want it to be. Right? Now, None of the Berglund family's here, and we're not recording. I mean, we're podcasting, but we're not live YouTubing yet. We'll do that second hour. So let's have some fun with the pastor's kids. We have a family chat, and Friday, good Friday, texting, and some of my kids are like, yeah, hey, we're, uh, we're saved, and da-da-da, and the whole thing. I said, uh, yeah, yeah, good. And they were trying to, to tell me, like, why Good Friday was so great. And, and uh, I was like, well, yeah, understand that Good Friday is only part of it. He's still dead. He's proved that he would face death, which I love. We sang that earlier. I don't know. There was a line in one of the songs. It said, and he faced death, which I thought was good from an artistic point of view, and it fit in the song, but he more than faced death. Amen? He kicked it in the teeth, right? He conquered death. I'm trying to explain to my kids, you know, Friday was great. It's mandatory. It must happen because he proved that he would be the sacrifice. He would pay for our sins. It proved his love for us, right? I said, but Easter's coming. 
or, or no, uh, they said, no, but you've got to wait for Easter. I said, no. He conquered sin. He did all that on Friday. Sunday's a different story. Well, what's Sunday about? I thought, oh, what a great question. I started rattling off like 10 different reasons why Sunday was different than Friday. Right? Let's have a little fun with it. Okay? You play my kids. I'll play dad. Why is Sunday different than Friday? Because he's risen, which is what? Okay, good. Good. That's why he's an elder, right? He did, nothing gets past him, right? So, in rising, there's a couple things that have accomplished. What? Conquered death? Well, he did that on Friday. Did he do what he said? Did he fulfill prophecy? Did he prove who he was? Did he establish his place? I mean, you imagine, if you really start to think about it for a little while, oh, Sunday's very different than Friday. It's glorious. Absolutely glorious. <clears throat> that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. All right, show's over. But Mary, see, the ladies, stood weeping outside the tomb. Why is she weeping? He's gone. I mean, the boys believed. Well, believe it or not, he's still gone. They're still lost. And as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white sitting there. The body of Jesus had lain, one at the head, one at the feet. They said to her, woman, why are you weeping? They're a little confused. They know more of the story. She said to them, they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Ooh. Has Mary made a second statement? Same statement as earlier that she made to the disciples. So it's not a second statement. It's just the same statement repeated. So there's still a second statement coming. Remember I told you? That's what this morning's about. They've taken away my Lord. I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing. <laughs> so this is really fun, and you need to enjoy this. You must enjoy this, okay? Ready? <laughs> but she did not know that it was Jesus. She turns around. She's in the presence of Almighty God and turns around. She's complaining to the angels. She turns around. There's some dude standing there. Some dude. How sacrilegious, Scott. No, that's what it says. Watch. <laughs> Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Here it is. Supposing him to be some dude, the gardener, she said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Wow. Boy, she's missing it, isn't she? Um, you don't have an outline this morning because it's Easter and we're streamlining. We try to keep to an hour. Good luck. Um, but this morning's talk is called Gardener or Lord. She turns around in the presence of a gardener. Hey, good job pruning the hedges. Right? But she really turned around in the presence of, of God, the Lord. 
Jesus Christ himself. And what do we desperately want for this story, for this woman? For her to know, for her to recognize, for her to understand. Let's watch it happen. She said to him, Sir, if you have, then tell me. I'll take him away. Verse 16, Jesus said to her, Mary. Bam, what just happened? Got her attention. Got her attention. Right? You want to, you want to see us get somebody's attention? Ready? Doug! Now, whose attention do we have? Right. What did he do? What did Jesus just do? More than get her attention. How did she know he knew her? He used her. She called him by, or, or he called her by, by name. Mary. Boom. She turned around and said in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. I, I read that somewhere. Uh, Jesus said to her, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Ooh. Hold on, Mary. This is just another act. There's a couple more acts in the play. We're not to the final chapter. Don't get too excited. Don't get too sad. Mary Magdalene went, announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. Amen? All right, I'm going to intro that first up to the comma, and then we're all going to say it out loud. Interactive portion of the morning. Ready? Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. Amen. Is this a second statement? This is a new statement. There's no repeat of something prior. Prior it was, they have taken him, and I don't know where they have laid him. Right? All of a sudden, what happened to them and they and where he laid him? All that? There's no setup. There's just a simple five words. I have seen the Lord. Now what's that mean? It means he's risen, right? Oh, oh. Slow on the uptake, right? Um, and that he said these things to her. And may the Lord bless the reading of his word on Easter. And you're here for service. Amen? Amen. 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 Let's look at this um, uh, from Gar Gardner or Lord. Because we have to make the distinction. It says the boys saw and believed, but it, it never clarifies that. The women and the account uh, from the women's perspective actually gives us much deeper meaning. They go in, they see, wait, what's going on? Why are you weeping? There's this whole interaction. Two different types of statement. And I want you to see there's a transition because the first statement is, is what? Doubt, fear, they did stuff and we don't know and where's he been laid and, right? The second statement is, Oslin's on the loose. <laughs> it's true. He's risen. They're two very different statements. The first one is from someone who sees him as a gardener. That guy that was in the garden that day outside the tomb, that's what somebody who sees a gardener says. The second one is what a follower says, a believer says. 
How do we get from gardener to Lord? That's this morning. And we get it from those two statements, but we're going to get a couple of our, our, well, all of our feelings from this, right? The first is this. When they, them, we, and my take over, sorry, I couldn't help myself. What are those? You guys won't even say the word out loud in public. What are those four things? What form of speech in English? They're pronouns, right? Everybody say pronouns. Yes, we need not be afraid of literary terms just because of culture. And here's the problem. When pronouns take over in this story, we lose him. They have taken him and we don't know where they have laid him. He's the last thing in the sentence. And who's the subject? They and them. And who's most important in the sentence? Let's be honest. We and my. When those become our perspective, when those take over, when we're so concerned about what others do, or what's my image, or how does it affect me, what are you really worried about? Who are you really worrying about? self and he ends up in second place at best i would argue he's like 48th place because they are their first them are second ultimately i'm in there somewhere so i might be first then they and them there's lots of they's and them so they start filling up the top 10 and then there's the others and she and Mary makes a mistake because she had yet to understand the Scriptures. She had yet to understand Christ and what He had proclaimed. And because of that, she missed Him, turned around and thought it was, oh, you're the gardener. Hey, do you know where Jesus is? Basically, that's what she's saying. How great is that when you're asking Jesus where He is? That's great comedy, folks. And that's why you've got to read the Bible and enjoy it. Because it's really funny. Okay? The trick is then, how do we do this? How do we let people and things and stuff and self take a back seat? Because we actually want Him to take over. What's important to Him? What does He say we should do? What does He want us to avoid? And folks, you're over halfway there. You're on church. You're in church on Easter at first service. You're making the attempt. You're trying to recognize Lord, and you have no interest in the gardener. Amen? This is the first thing. we got to make sure that we got to stop worrying about um, others and, and people and uh, that kind of stuff. And verse 14 is such, such a great, um, great statement of that. Secondly is this. When this happens... We see a gardener, right? We see a gardener. And the great news is that we're never on our own with the Lord. I don't have to pursue the Lord and like pull at him and come, will you come talk to me, spend time with me? You know, you don't have to grab him. He chases you too because he's more than a gardener, right? When it happens, when we let other things take over, you know what he does? 
He calls us by? He calls us by name. Why is that important? It's just Mary. It's just some lady who's like 2,000 years ago or whatever, some random female being identified personally by Jesus doesn't matter or affect us at all, correct? That was heavy sarcasm, by the way. Why does that affect us? If he knows her name, what's that say about you? You know, sometimes God has to shock us back into, you know, when, when the body's like laying there and, and all, the, all the processes have stopped and they take the two metal things and they're clear, like bring them back, bring them back up. You know, one of the ways that he shocks us back into paying attention is to remind us of our identity, that he's clear on our identity. And then we can get into the deeper things of, oh yeah, rather than limited to just clarity on our identity, He's the creator of our identity. He designed much more than just what my name would be and who would adopt my father so I know what my last name is. He is fully integrated into you. And that's why Mary, as soon as she hears her word, probably in his voice and the sound and, whoa. Now she knows she's not, he's not a gardener. The best way for you to know that Jesus is Lord and Savior and Messiah and is alive and well right now is to believe that he knows you personally, is interested in you individually. Now we say it like this at church all the time. Jesus loves you. You know the problem with that? is it's totally true, but we say it so much that it loses its meaning. It's lost meaning through repetition. When, we, when he says her name, though, bam, she's back, right? Lastly is this. When we acknowledge him, we start to see him. Her second statement is so great. I have seen the Lord he was a gardener, but then he said my name, and I finally realized I don't have to worry about the Romans or who moved the stone or any of that kind of stuff. In fact, none of this stuff matters. I have seen the Lord. When you pursue God and you give your life to him, when you call yourself a Christian or a Christ follower, however you want to do it, when you uh, bend down on your knees and pray or raise your hand or however you want to acknowledge your relationship with Christ, when you start pursuing that, it will pay off. Yes? You will start to see him in new ways. You will start to understand the scriptures. You will start to perceive his priority in your life. Things that seemed random, like taking Spanish for three and a half years of high school that just felt painful, all of a sudden you go, oh, there was a guy orchestrating that so that I could do over two decades of house building in otro país que no say nada? In another country where I don't know anything? <laughs> right? How God puts those things together starts to have clarity. And it gets exciting. And then you want to hold church services or start a church, and then you want to speak two services and teach your kids about it, even though when they get Friday and Sunday mixed up, because you want to understand the difference between two phrases. 
You understand the difference between a gardener and a Lord. That's what we get on, on Easter. We get more than our identity. We get more than our sin paid for. We get more than a death conqueror. We get more than, what else did we get more than? Someone else, play along with me. More than a fulfilled, starts with pra and ends with more than a prophecy fulfilled. What do we get on Easter, folks? We're at church. We ask the question, Heitzman's not here. We get God on Easter. I mean, Scott, don't we kind of get him on, on Christmas? Like, the, remember baby, manger, cows are lowing, stuff like that? Is that when we get a Lord? Mm, kind of. It's like the opening act. But what's Christmas without Easter? Made you think. He is risen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you for what we have seen and experienced this morning. Thank you, Lord, that you are so much more than a gardener. Thank you for all the things that are intrinsic to that, all the ways that that plays out. And thank you, Lord, for the couple songs we're about to sing in closing. May it be a statement of our worship. May it solidify what we sang earlier, that you are the God of the mountain, the God of the valley, and that there's no other place where your mercy and grace won't find us. We pray this in our Lord Jesus Christ's name. Amen. He is risen. May you always turn and see more than a gardener. Amen. Happy Easter. Go with him.